Well, good morning. <clears throat> hey, that was good. I'm going to steal one. Actually, I'm going to steal one of those if you don't mind. All righty. Well, I love hearing that story, and I love how uh, how we can partner. <clears throat> excuse me, partner with one another uh, in in that journey. Uh, my name is Cameron. And I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm I'm excited about where we're going in the Word today. But first, kiddos, do you have your notes with you? Can I see them? Perfect. Love it. Love it. All right. So the words today are world and passport. World and passport. Starting, starting now. So world, world, world. Passport, passport, passport. World, world, passport. I'm, just I'm not going to do that the whole time. But those count. So I'll be checking those. Uh, another thing you should have gotten on the way in uh, is a passport. And I'm very thankful for, for Sandy Eating, who, who did a lot of cool work putting this together and what we're looking at this morning is this idea of the stamp of your, your, the stamp of faith, the stamp of citizenship uh, in heaven. We're continuing our study in Philippians, and we're going to be in chapter three today, chapter three, verses eighteen through twenty-one. Uh, and Pastor Bill last week kind of shared with us how Paul, throughout this letter, uh, is just it's it's covered with this idea of grace, covered with this idea that we we live in the grace and in the power of what God is is doing with us, doing in us. And this morning, we're going to look at a section of scripture that I really think speaks to. Uh, and shows a little bit of the heart of Paul. Now, if you don't know who Paul is, he's, he's arguably one of the most influential missionaries uh, of the Christian faith. Uh, wrote many of the books in the New Testament uh, and speaks a lot about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, what it looks like to, to give up everything for the sake of, of Christ, the sake of knowing Christ. A little bit earlier in chapter 3, he says, all those things that I thought were, were, were amazing, the thing that I, I kind of placed my identity on, actually are, are, are nothing, are rubbish, are trash in comparison to knowing, knowing Christ. And so we're going to be looking at some scripture this morning that kind of solidifies that. What does it mean to, to be a citizen of heaven? Because as believers, that's what we are. Now, how many of you actually have, not your, not your cool, fancy passport here, but how many actually have a passport at home? Yeah? Travel other country a little bit? Um, now, here's another question. How many of you, without thinking about it, know exactly where it is? Actually, that's a lot more hands than I thought. Uh, so for me, uh, what, my passport is something, and every time I travel, I don't really think, I don't think much of it at home. It maybe sits in a drawer. I think I know where it is at home, now that I think about it. Uh, it sits in a drawer. I don't really pay attention to it much. I don't look at it. I don't, I don't see the, the value in it as much sitting at home in, in Zeeland, Michigan. Uh, if you've ever traveled abroad, and uh, you've you ever been on a mission trip, I think back when I was, when I was a kid uh, in, in student ministry, and I remember my youth leader saying, don't lose your passport. Your passport is so important. Now check it every 30 seconds, and you're on the plane, and, and you're holding on to it. It's like it's, like it's dear life. I'm like, I cannot lose this passport. And you're traveling. They even have those like, fancy like, secret compartments that you put like, under four layers of clothing so nobody can take your passport on your trip. Because if you're out, uh, if you're in another country, that, that passport is almost your lifeline. That passport kind of gets you where you're supposed to go, lets you, allows you into the country, allows you back, back home. And we have this value that we place on it uh, when, when we're abroad. And so I started thinking about that. And I started thinking about what would that look like 
If we, if we thought about it, if we approached our citizenship uh, in heaven as believers with the same intensity, with the same importance, that same, like, I'm not letting this thing out of my sight. Because we all claim things about ourselves. We could claim our, our political party. We can claim a, uh, an allegiance to a team. You could be a Lions fan, even though the Falcons are better. Uh, you could be a vegetarian. You could be a Chick-fil-A fan. Whatever it might be, we claim things about ourselves. And those things that we claim about ourselves can oftentimes dictate how we live our lives. They dictate the choices that we make. They dictate the people that we might interact with, people we spend time with. What we do with our money, what we do with our families. And so I want to ask this question this morning. What if we claimed most about, what if the thing that we claim most about ourselves was that we were citizens of heaven? What if what we claim most about ourselves was the fact that we were followers of Jesus, saved by grace? And that is this idea of the stamp of citizenship this morning. The points that I, I want us to walk away from, they're actually in your fancy passport as well, is that we're called to trust, to hope, and to serve. We're, as believers, we're called to trust in God's promises and his faithfulness, even when what we see around us, the experiences that we might be going through, don't make sense. We're called to live in the hope of Christ's return, live in the hope of what we're doing and what God is doing in our lives. And lastly, we're called to be citizens and servants of heaven to reach those with the love of God. So let's dive into Scripture together. So Ephesians, I'm sorry, Philippians, chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. For many of whom I've often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory and their shame. With minds set on earthly things. I think this is where we begin to see a little bit of Paul's heart. What he's burdened for, what he's passionate about. And we'll touch on it in just a minute. But I also think that Paul is reminding his listeners, because we often need reminders. How many of you have got to be told several times to, to, like, to get it, to, to do something? Ever, like, ever have to be told a couple times, kiddos? Has your parents ever told you like four or five times to do the same thing? I, it happens to me. But I think Paul here is not just saying it because, one, we need reminders, but two, we live in a, in a culture, we live in a society that often the, the truth that we know is not reflected in it. The things that we experience, maybe what we watch on TV, the things that we see in the newspaper, you're like, man, this is, just, this is not the truth that I know. It says that, that people live as enemies of the cross. What does that mean? It means to reject God with your life. That there are earthly things that we can focus on, and there are heavenly things that we can focus on. And those who live as enemies of the cross live in that world of, I'm, I'm, I'm all about me, right? Whatever's true for me is true. Uh, I'm going I'm to do whatever I can to get instantly the, you know, the instant gratification to, to live in our flesh. And we see Paul's heart because he says, he says, I say them in tears. His heart breaks for those who live and opposed to the gospel. I love this quote by John Piper. It says, It is a huge sadness when God shows his love for people, and in return, they despise it. That is what God did on the cross. God shows his love for us, 
and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us on that cross. To hate the cross is to hate the demonstration of the love of God, because the cross is the greatest display of God's love that ever was or ever will be. Think about that for a moment. We live, like I said, we live in a culture where truth is relative, right? We live in a culture that says you can do whatever you want, you can, you can be whatever you want. Uh, tr- truth almost doesn't matter. But we know, as Scripture teaches us, there is a truth. And as believers, we're called to trust in those promises, trust in the faithfulness of God, instead of what we see in our current experiences in our current situations. It continues in the verse, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We wait. That's, a, that's, a, that's one of my favorite things to do, right? We, we love waiting, love standing in line. We, we love just knowing that what we get is just, we're just waiting for it. But I think Paul recognizes the struggle recognizes that, yes, there, there are things that we see around us. There's, there's things that we experience. There's, there's uh, people that want to influence, influence us in what we're doing. But we know that the truth that we know cannot be shaken. And we, the truth that we know that our citizenship, our home, is in heaven. And I think what Paul is touching on is that there's a sense of patience not that instant gratification, a sense of waiting, meaning that the work that God is doing in our lives, the things that God is doing in us take time. We don't see them right away all the time. A sense of long-suffering. Scripture says, uh, in this world, uh, they will hate you because of me, Jesus told his disciples. There's a sense of hope. And it's not the hope where kiddos might be like, man, I hope I get this for Christmas. That's a wish. I wish I get this. But the the good definition of hope, a biblical hope, is a joyful expectation that God is going to do what he says he is going to do. And that changes how we live in that hope. It changes from, man, I wish God would just do what he says he's going to do. I kind of, I don't know, maybe maybe he won't. To, I know that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. I know that he is who he says he is. And even when we experience different things in life and we experience hardship and we experience things in our culture and our society that just don't make sense and don't live up to the truth that we know, we can live in that hope. Great, you probably have heard a saying before. It says, in this world, Christians are, are aliens, right? Fully involved in it, yet not of it. We are in it, but not of it. And in John chapter 17, Jesus is talking and praying uh, for his disciples. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And I think that's a, that's a pretty amazing point. That I think there's oftentimes we live in this, man, well, culture is wrong, society is wrong, and I'm going to do everything I can just to stay away from it. It's over there, I'm over here, I got my bubble, and I'm not going, I'm not touching that, right? If that was the case, Jesus would be like, hey, take them, let's go. We, we got who we came for, let's go. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm asking you to protect them and be with them when they 
are in it. We're not called to isolate ourselves. In fact, it's, it's, it's just the opposite. We're called to be citizens and servants of heaven to reach those with the love of God. You think about the Great Commission. You think about go and make disciples of all nations. Go and teach them and baptize them. Engage with them. Because we live in a world that is broken. We live in a world that almost puts on a pedestal a, a, an, opposite, an op- opposition towards the truth that we know in Scripture. And I think this is where Paul's heart comes back into play. What do you do when you look at the world? Do you just get mad and say, man, I never want to be that. I'm, I'm staying away from that. Or like, like Paul's heart that we see, does your heart break? Does your heart look at those people and say, man, that is, that is somebody who, who Jesus died for, and, and they just don't see it yet. They don't, they don't understand how much God loves them, how much he cared for them so much that he sent to son, his son to die on the cross for us. You know, I don't know where all of, all of you are in, in your faith, and whether maybe you're still searching, maybe you're like, man, I'm, I'm full on, I'm, I'm a citizen of heaven, I, I, I try to live my life that way. But if, you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, there is a God who loves you more than you could possibly imagine, who desires to meet you exactly where you are in the depths of, your, of, your, of the brokenness or the, or the doubts of whatever might you be struggling with, desires to meet you there. It says, even here, I love you and I care about you. Does your life reflect that type of citizenship? Does your faith, that stamp of citizenship, do you approach it as trusting God's faithfulness, trusting his promises, even when it doesn't necessarily make sense in what you see around you? Do you live in the hope of Christ's return, the hope of God's completing work in us? Or do we live in a bubble, saying, I'm just, I'm just going to have my Bible, and I'm going I'm to do whatever I can to, to avoid all of this other stuff. As one commentator says, Paul's challenge in, in, this, in this scripture will not allow his readers the possibility of serving two masters. Either their God is their stomach, or they will consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Either they will pursue earthly things, or they will pursue the heavenward call, call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is pretty clear that there's no middle ground. There's no saying, well, I'm just going to fall somewhere on the spectrum where I'm going to try to maybe let my, my good things outweigh my bad things, or I'm just going to kind of, you know, do enough to where I can say that, yeah, I'm a, I'm a good Christian. Paul's saying, no. You're either living for yourself or you're all in. You're all in. Your citizenship, who you are, what you claim about yourself, the way that that citizenship and things that you claim dictate your life, it's either about yourself that leads to destruction or it's about what God is doing in our lives. It continues in, in Scripture. It says, <clears throat> But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things 
to himself. That's that hope we're talking about. It doesn't say who might just maybe or if you're good enough or if you've checked off all your boxes or if you've made sure to go to you know, church most of the time or, or memorize the scripture. No, it says who will transform our lowly body, who will complete the work that he's started. If you've placed your faith in Christ, if you're a believer, that's a promise. That's a promise of, of, of continued love and grace in your life. And we're called to live in that hope. One of the things that, that Pastor Clint says a lot, whether that be in our devotions at church or, or from, from the pulpit, says as believers, we've been uh, removed from the punishment of sin. And we live in the hope, that true, that joyful expectation that we know that God is who he says he is and is going to do what he says he's going to do. We live in that hope that one day we'll be removed from the presence of sin. So the things that you see, the, the, the things that don't make sense, the struggles of, uh, of temptations of living uh, in just along in the same ways that society is living, and uh, man, it'd just be so much easier if I, if I just lived this way or if I thought this way or if I, if I accepted this and didn't accept this. We live in the hope that we know that God's promises are true, that he is faithful. And we, we live in the hope that God's work in us will be complete. That fancy word, that sanctification, the process of him making, him making us more like his son will happen. And I love this idea, this, this stamp of citizenship, of trusting and hoping and serving because we know the end result. We know that the victory is won. And I love that it falls on a communion Sunday because much like that time when he was sitting around with his disciples, walking him through what it meant to take communion, to take the, the bread and the blood and the, and, and the wine, uh, it's a reminder. And I love that it falls on a communion Sunday because even when it's difficult to see God at work in our lives, God at work in our world, which we know he is. We come together as a body of believers to celebrate that, to remember what he is doing and what he has done. So as our, as our, our team comes up here, as we kind of transition to communion, I want us to remember these truths. I want us to remember that as, as a stamp of citizenship, as, as one who has placed their faith in Christ, you can trust. We are called to trust, but you can do it because we know it's true. To trust in God's promises and his faithfulness. Of what we, trust in, in him instead of what we see. We're called to live in the hope of Christ's return and God's complete work in us. And lastly, we're called to be citizens and servants of heaven to reach those who Jesus died for. Does your life reflect that? Does your heart, is your heart burdened for those? Are you willing to pop that bubble and say, I want to reach those for Christ? I want to reach those who Jesus died for. Because that's what we're about here this morning. So let's remember what God is doing through communion. Let's remember that he is faithful, that his love surpasses anything that we could possibly know, that all those things that we might claim about ourselves are truly 
worthless in comparison to knowing what God is doing in our lives and what he has done. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you that you are at work. That even in the midst of this, of the world that we live in, you are at work. That you love us more than you could possibly imagine and that we can lean in on that trust. Uh, knowing that we are not left alone. God, I pray you would give, hearts, give us hearts that are burdened for those who don't know you. I pray that you would give us a desire to reach those with your love, God, that we would bring people back into a, good, into a right relationship with you. And I pray that our lives would reflect that which we know is true, that we are citizens of heaven, saved by grace and, and saved by you alone. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.